Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. I want you to open your Bibles with me for a few moments today to the book of Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. I give honor today truly from my heart to all of the dads. It just really touched my heart. We, we dedicated babies here just a few moments ago. And to see all those dads, you know, that's, that's what it's all about is you're raising those kids up to honor God by example, by example. It's one thing for a preacher to try to do it, you know, and reach them. It's another thing for a youth pastor. And we need, it, it takes all of it. You need all of it. You need every voice you can get for good and spiritual things in your children's ear. But boy, there's no voice like the voice of a dad that lives it and that honors God. And we thank God for all of you here. I honor my dad today. He's in heaven and been in heaven for a long time, but I miss him and I honor him because he was a powerful, powerful man of God. And I am what I am today because I had a godly, powerful father. Matthew 18, I'll just go to verse one. At the time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say unto you, unless you are converted and become as little children, this is pretty amazing, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, who, whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Men are interested in greatness. Men are, you know, we, need, we like a challenge. We, we like to see winners. We like to see somebody do something great. And Jesus knew how to reach men. He knew how to draw their attention. He knew that there was a drive inside of men that wants to be great. But then he said something so powerful. He said, took a little child as an illustrated sermon and set, them, set this little child, maybe a little toddler, in the midst of them. And he said, if you want to be great, you've got to be like this. I'm sure the little, little fellow was grinning from ear to ear, just looking at him. If a bug flew by, he forgot about the great apostles and who Jesus was and He's chasing it, having fun. If there was anything there, ice cream or something, he would light up. He's had a joyful heart. It's the, way, the way I saw it this week is I saw a child just playful, joyful, enjoying himself, happy. And Jesus said to his disciples, you'll not get into and enter the kingdom of God until you get an attitude like that, a joyful heart of a child. One that, that just has not been hardened by life, right? That hasn't become a cynical, uh, tough, kind of angry old man because life hadn't turned out perfect. He said, you need to be converted 
over and over and over into a little child if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. And they would need that message because the journey that they were on was not always enjoyable. Simon Peter died in 66 AD being crucified upside down. Andrew was tied and bound and left to starve to death in 74 AD. James was beheaded. John was banished to a an island called Patmos that was nothing but rocks and stones. It was hard. He lived all by himself alone until the day that he died. Philip was crucified in 52 AD. Bartholomew was beheaded. Matthew was crucified. Thaddeus was shot through with arrows. And yet, I wonder when they were sitting in those circumstances, either facing a guillotine or being tortured and beaten, hurt, and then thrown back into the prison to go through the same thing the next day, all because they decided to follow a man named Jesus Christ. I wonder if their mind ever went back to that moment of that little child looking at them, smiling at them, laughing and waving and enjoying having a joyful heart. I wonder if they ever thought about that little child. I wonder if the message ever sunk in that Jesus was trying to teach them that in the ups and the downs of life, in the, in the disappointments and the joys of life, you, you, you never allow life to harden you, to jade your outlook on life. No matter what you're going through, you are to stay joyful like a little child that, that falls down and scrapes his knee and 10 minutes later, he's laughing and giggling, although when he scrapes his knee, he's crying like it's the end of the world. Jesus said, do you still have the heart of a child? And will you have it by the time you go through what you're going to go through before you enter the kingdom of heaven? Will you still have that joyful heart of a child about life, about family, about marriage, about church, about God, about the word, the Bible? Do you, will you still have that simple, innocent faith that just believes, yes, Jesus loves me? Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Not because I know Hebrew, Greek, theology, took 19 courses. The Bible tells me so. Mark Twain was a steamboat captain before he became a famous author. And he wrote a, a book about life on the Mississippi. He said that to be a steamboat captain on the Mississippi required tremendous training, so much so that he likened it to you had to know every part of that 1,200-mile journey and he said it would be like you had to know it like the alphabet, but then you had to do it backwards. Because if you didn't know every turn, every sign, every signal, you would easily end up shipwrecked, especially in the day and time that he was living. And he wrote a whole book about life on the Mississippi and that training that he went through to know every 
aspect and be safe day or night when he was on that river in a steamboat. He said that you had to learn the major influx of water points. You had to know when a storm was coming. You had to know every nook and cranny and every signal and sign and everything in the water that you noticed that other people without a trained eye wouldn't notice. He talked about how that passengers, the first time he was a passenger on a river boat, he couldn't see the things that he learned after he had been trained as a, as a pilot of the steamboat. The trained eye these were not beautiful pictures that the, that the tourists or the passengers looked at and just saw the river and saw the currents and thought, this is beautiful. But to the trained eye, he saw totally different things now that he had become a professional. It's a difference between a riverboat captain and a passenger. And I'm going to just read a little bit of his writings to illustrate and make your mind listen to me. Go with, listen to these amazing words of these brilliant this brilliant author, he said, I still keep in mind the wonderful riverboat sunset, which I witnessed when steamboating was new to me. A broad expanse of the river was turned to blood. In the middle, a solitary log came floating inconspicuous in one place. Another log slanting marked the water sparkling upon the water. In another, the surface of the water was broken by boiling, tumbling streams of water. The ruddy flush made a smooth spot that was, that was covered with graceful watery circles and radiating lines ever so delicately traced. The shore on our left was wooded. The somber shadows that fell from the forest were broken in one place by a log and, and a trail that shone like silver. And high above the forest wall, a dead tree waved, a simple leafy bough, graceful curves of dissolving lights of reflection drifted swiftly, ever passing the moments, the new marvels of coloring. I stood like one bewitched. I drank it in, in a speech, in, in speechless rapture. This world was new to me. He's looking at the mighty Mississippi River. He's seeing the different currents, seeing the water. He's seeing this and that, and it's just entertainment to him. I'd never seen anything like this at, at home. But as I said, the day came when I began to cease from noticing the glories and charms which the moon and the sun and the twilight wrought upon the river's face. There came a time when I ceased altogether to note them. Then if that sunset scene had been repeated, I would have looked upon it without rapture and would have commented upon it inwardly upon this fashion. Listen to the difference now. That sun means we're going to have wind tomorrow. That floating log means the river is rising. That slanting mark on the water refers to a dangerous reef that is going to destroy someone's steamboat one of these nights. Those tumbling bowls of water slowly emerging are the current lines and circles in the water are a warning that the bank is shallowing and it's dangerous. That silver streak in the shadow of the forest is a break from 
a new snag. The tall tree with a single branch is not going to last long. And then how will I navigate this part of unfriendly river? Now, when I'd mastered the language of this water and had come to, to know every trifling feature that boarded the great river as familiar as I knew the alphabet, I had made a valuable acquisition. Listen now. I could now read the river, but I'd lost something as well that I could never be restored to me again. All the grace, all the beauty, all the poultry had gone out of the majestic river. The romance and the beauty had gone. All the value of its features had for me now was the amount of usefulness that I could gain through safe passage of a steamboat. And doesn't he sometimes wonder if he has gained most or lost most by learning his trade? What he's saying, did, did you get it? What he's saying is what used to thrill me, what used to wow me, what used to be awesome to me, now I have become so routine with it that I look out as a steamboat captain and I don't see beauty. I don't see this. I see, oh my goodness, that means the, look out there, there's coming wind tomorrow, there's storm, that's dangerous. Oh my. And he doesn't enjoy the journey anymore. All he does is he's, he's got a job to do and he just gets to it and forgets about the fact that he's on the beautiful Mississippi River. He's not enjoying it. He's going through it. He's learned how to be a professional. And the apostles grew older and they learned how real the river was. And the question is, did they retain the heart of a child? Could they still enjoy the beauties of the river, the glories of the river? And I'm not talking and preaching about this morning, the Mississippi River. And I'm not preaching even about the disciples. I'm preaching about you. I'm preaching about me. We've got decisions we've got to make. We can either go through this thing and look over here and be down and, oh, there's a problem, there's a problem, and today I get up and wonder what's coming tomorrow, wonder what's going to happen tomorrow. Or we can get up and say, you know, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And we're not just supposed to endure. It's a balancing, a balancing act of life. The fine art that you never, ever lose the beauty of this wonderful, glorious experience that we have in Jesus Christ. I am saved. I am washed in the blood. My name is in the book of life. And until Jesus comes, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Hallelujah. I still love him, and I'm still in awe of him, and I still appreciate him. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Does his mercy still thrill you? Does his goodness still overwhelm you? This glorious river of life. The apostle Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 20. Brethren, be not children in understanding. 
Howbeit in malice be ye children. One translation said, in regards to forgiveness, be like a child. They forgive quick. They get over it. They fight over a toy, hit each other in the head, and two minutes later, they come back and are loving and giggling and rolling around on the ground. But in understanding, be as adults. Another translation said, be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature and wise in understanding. Have wisdom have, have the wisdom of an adult, but have the heart of a child. Enjoy life. Enjoy the time that God has given you. Don't become a cynic. Don't become somebody sitting up there in your little uniform in the top of your little steamboat. <laughs> Coming to church. I don't know why they're praising the Lord so much. I ain't got much to praise the Lord. Are you breathing? I see you're not in the hospital. I see you're not hooked up to something. You got a lot to praise God for. Hallelujah. Jesus knew that this, and that's why he told his 12 disciples in one place, behold, I send you as sheep among wolves. Be therefore as wise as serpents, but as harmless as doves. Don't let it get in your spirit. Don't let the bitterness get in your spirit. Don't let the hurt and anger get in your spirit. Be wise as serpents. Be cunning as serpents. Boy, we, we need to get that message in the church too. We're not a bunch of suckers. We're not a bunch of, of foot rugs to, for people to wipe mud on us. But we are to be cunning and wise and sharp. Just like our God but also have the heart of a child that we're quick to get over stuff and we see the good too. Shrewd as snakes, innocent as doves, one translation said. Stay alert. This is a hazardous work I've assigned you to, one translation said. You'll be like sheep running through a wolf pack. So don't draw too much attention to yourself. Be as cunning as a snake and inoffensive as a dove. Romans 16, obedience, obedience, uh, show obedience to the word and I would have you wise as an innocent toward evil. See what is right, what he's saying and steer, steer clear of what is wrong. Here's the, here's, the, here's the whole message that I'm trying to give you. God wants us to navigate the river, but he also wants us to enjoy the river. It's not just about, oh, I got to live holy. I got to live right. No, he said, I want you to enjoy your life. And just because you're going through tough times and this bend in the river's rough and everything's going crazy, that doesn't mean you quit living and enjoying the life and seeing the goodness of the Lord and the glory of the Lord and the goodness and kindness of the Lord all around you. Here we are. Let's enjoy this life. Let's enjoy this day. Let's enjoy this week. Let's enjoy our families. Well, we're going through a bend. Well, just go through it and enjoy it. It's still beautiful. It's a beautiful mess. But Jesus is with me. His word is in me. 
Y'all quiet. Y'all don't like this sermon, but, 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 but you know, you got to navigate the space that you're in without losing the enjoyment. Yes, there are dangers. Yes, the devil's on the move. Yes, evil is everywhere. Oh God, oh God, watch out for that tree limb. Watch out for that current. Watch out, watch out, watch I'm not gonna live like that. I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna say, praise the Lord. Wherever I go, he's with me. Whatever I go through, the waters won't overtake me because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Because here, here's the deal. Uh, your moping and groping are not going to change the situation. If that's the bend you're in, you're in it. <laughs> you can't put that steamboat in reverse and back it up. So you might as well go through with joy. With the child of a with 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 the with the with the heart of a child. It says, this is exciting. I don't know. It looks like the boat's going down, Daddy. But wow, I like this. I'll preach better in the next service. I, I just use y'all as guinea pigs anyhow. You got to learn how to scoot around it. <laughs> There's a tree limb coming. It's the end of the world. No, it's not. Just scoot around it. I'm not going to lay down and die. I'm not going to die in a mess. I'm not going to give up on life. I'm not going to give up on my promises and the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. Saul, King Saul, quit enjoying the river. Because he got his eyes on David and the Bible said he eyed him from that day forward after he killed Goliath. He eyed his competition and got his eyes off the river and enjoying the goodness. God raised him up. Man, he was king. He was powerful. He had it. But he got his eyes on, he eyed David from that day forward. He no longer engaged in, the, in worship. You know, at one time, he, 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 he danced with the musicians, the minstrels, and the Bible said he turned into another man and prophesied. He was enjoying the river. But something came along and got his eyes off the river onto David. He saw him as his competition and, and all that competitive, all that, and he took the joy out of the journey. And the Bible said... That the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. But watch David. He's like a little child. You know, David did not go out looking to kill a lion and to kill a bear. Never did he go searching for a giant. He had one assignment. His daddy told him, take care of the sheep. And in rescuing the sheep, when a bear came, he killed it. And, and in rescuing the sheep, when a lion came, he killed it. And, and when he went to check up on his brothers, then a giant happened to come. He didn't go looking for it. He was just doing, had his eyes on the river. I'm rescuing sheep and I'm checking up on my brothers. And when enemies came at him, he just wiped the floor with them. And the house of David waxed stronger and stronger. That's what your Bible says. I guess what I'm preaching today is you got to learn how to scoot around stuff. You know, if you, if you interviewed the vulture, 
who flew over beautiful, majestic mountains, giant redwood trees out in California. I mean, majestic waterfalls and mountains and redwood trees, and he's flying through there. And then he sees a half decomposed field rat. And he comes back and you were to interview him and say, what did you see? He would say, I saw what I was looking for. I saw a half dead rat in the corner of a field and I can't wait to get back to it. It's what you're looking for. I'm not looking for rats. I'm going to enjoy the journey a little bit. Come on. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but you, you need to lighten up. You, you need to get the spirit of a little child. You need to say, well, I guess none of this is taking God by surprise. He knew I would be here. Therefore, the purpose is greater than the problem. And when this thing is over, my purpose will stand because God has decreed a thing and he'll bring it to pass. Everybody take a praise break and I'll keep preaching. What are you looking at? A bunch of rats or mountains and trees and waterfalls? It's a good life. It's a good day. The wise men saw a king being born, but Herod saw a threat. The difference between Solomon and David is enormous. David was the father of Solomon. But look at their outlook. David wasn't a perfect man. I mean, if anybody had a reason to get depressed, he could have been depressed. When his son Absalom got killed, that's about as heavy as it goes. Son was a rebellious son, tried to overthrow him, did horrible things raped his wives on the rooftop of the palace, raped David's wife on the rooftop of the palace, brought amazing pain and ultimately was killed in battle. And David wept. If anybody had a reason to ride down the river of life from that point forward and never sing again, never play your harp again, never write a praise lyric again, it was David. David messed up and committed adultery with Bathsheba. If anybody should just go down the river sad and in shame and condemnation and guilt the rest of his life, it should have been David. He ought to really just shut up and, and just, just get through life because you messed up, man, and it's over for you. But no, no, that's not how the story goes. Now, he had reason to if he wanted to. Just focus on the log and the, and, the, and, and the problem over there and not enjoy the journey. But he decided to stay tender inside. He was known as a man who had a heart after God. He had this little innocent thing about him that when he got in trouble, he would run to the house of God. <laughs> and he'd, he'd fall and start praising the Lord and writing songs of worship and saying, how excellent is your name, O Lord? How excellent is your name? Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, you have ordained praise. And I got the heart of a child and a child doesn't know not to praise you, so I'm gonna praise you. 
I feel guilt, but I'm going to praise you. I've gone through something and my heart is broken because I lost a son, but I'm going to, I'm going to praise you. But look at Solomon. Solomon, the richest, mightiest, wisest man. He said, I sought out all the things. Listen to these words, very important words, under the sun. Different perspective. His whole focus is under the sun. What's down here? I'm going to find my joy in what's under the sun. And the Bible said, he said, I'll build me palaces and he built them and I'll build me pools and he built them. And, and nothing wrong with that as long as that's not your world. Jesus has got to be your world. He's the river, man. Don't let that stuff get your eyes off the river. The real source of joy. He said, he said, I sought out all things under the sun. In Solomon chapter two and verse three, he said, I gave myself to wine. I gave myself to women. I gave myself to orchards. I gave myself to mansions. I had me servants. I had me treasures. I had all my eyes, all my eyes desired. Isn't that something? Under the sun. And then he ends by saying, and I hated life. And he had it all. And he's going through life saying, I hate this. Under the sun is found 29 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. The words under the sun. Because his focus is under the sun. If in this life, the apostle Paul said, if, if only in this life we have hope, we are of all creatures most miserable. Vexation and vanity are found 43 times. Vanity, vanity, all this guy, I do not want Solomon as my pastor. You drinking? Vanity. Vanity, 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 vanity. vanity. You're building a new house, I'm not happy for you. Vanity. You got a new car? Why you got a new car? You can't take it with you. Vanity. I'm not going to be a Solomon pastor. Life is not vanity. God enjoys the success of his children when they have Jesus at the center of it all. He says, I'll withhold no good thing from them that walk uprightly. Oh, come on. Come on. This isn't about a bunch of religious rules and steamboat captains. Look out for that. Look out for that. Oh, no, look out for that. You got teenagers. If you don't watch it, you, you, I'm going to just preach to you parents. I mean, if you don't watch it, all oh, it'll be bad. Watch out. Watch out, girls. Watch out. But you got, they got to see some joy. They got to have some fun. There ought to be some joy in life. I don't know. Does this sermon make any sense at all? But, but it's just the truth. It's just the truth because life is what you make out of it. Lighten up. David's outlook. Here he is. I close with this because y'all don't, don't like this one, but I like it and OC likes it. Because because they, daddy likes it down here. You know, OC people know how to lay back. <laughs> Whatever's going on, they can go to the beach. Just whatever. 
I refuse to hate life. I mean, it's no secret. We're going through some stuff. Our family's going through some stuff. It's, it's brutal. It's heartbreaking. And every day I have to get up. And I never now, especially the last few weeks, walk to this pulpit feeling it's like a fire shut up in my bones. I don't, I don't, I don't feel that right now. I don't feel none of that. I feel like I want to quit. I feel like giving up. I don't want to do this anymore. And then I get a little Huck Finn story. God sends my way. He says, are you going to be an old steamboat captain? Or are you going to be somebody who says like David, listen to this hard as the deer. Been through some stuff, but as the deer panted for the water brook. I love that river. I'm still in awe of that river. Oh, when I think of his goodness and all that he's done for me. When I think about where I would be if the Lord were not on my side. I'm going to tell you, people and life will wear a hole in your soul if you let it. And all your joy will leak out. But keep your, keep your eyes lifted up to the hills. Stand up. Everybody stand up, please. At every campus, stand up, please. David said, I'll lift up my eyes into the hills. Which cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord. And I, I close with this, but Isaiah chapter nine on Father's Day. I just give you this little word. Don't forget God's first name. He said he's mighty counselor, counselor, everlasting father, prince of peace, mighty God. Go back to the this verse you were on. You had it. But don't forget his first name. The first introduction to the Messiah that we're given is he's wonderful. Don't ever lose the wonder. What's his first name? All those other things are his last name. But he won't be counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, if you don't see him as wonderful. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.